Many of you may know who's standing next to me. This is Ruben Rodriguez. Did I say that right? You did right. Okay, <laughs> Ruben Rodriguez. He's the pastor of Mount Air Church, which is a church that South Sub has partnered with in generosity mm. for many, many years, mm -hmm. sending volunteers, sending food over there to help minister in the neighborhood they're in. And so just as we're thinking over these next couple of weeks, just generosity, not just here, but beyond the walls of our church, I thought mm -hmm. no better person, and I've only known him a week, so don't mess it up when you're preaching now, okay? No, no, don't no, mess no. it up, but no better person, but I've heard so many good things about you, and so um, I took his clip off. Let me fix it all there right, for you, buddy. Right. And, um, but no better person. So, Reuben, we are blessed, and just bring us God's word. Good morning, y'all. All right, we're here. That's very good. In my church, people don't do that. I say good morning, everybody's like, Huh? You know, so, but you had your coffee, and that's a good thing, and that's, that's a blessing. It's very good to be here uh, this morning with you once again. Uh, we're going to do something different for me. I usually do not do what I'm going to do today. Whenever I take a piece of Scripture, I will dig into that Scripture and try to extract the most that I can. Today, I'm going to use the Scripture as a pretext to tell you what I want. <laughs> All right, I'm hoping you get there. Yes, I'm going to use the Scripture just to tell us something about ourselves, and hopefully with a few more stories added to it, we'll see what I think God is trying to share with us. So I will uh, read today in Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 1 to 12. And again, it is such a pleasure to be with you this morning again. Thank you, Pastor Keith, for allowing me to be here. It says like this, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest, into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house, and if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person, but if not, it will return to you. Remain in the house eating and drinking whatever they provide for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about the house uh, from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your their town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. You know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Let's pray for a second. Father, we come before you and we ask you, Lord, that you open our hearts, our minds, and that your spirit just speaks into our spirit. Amen. Amen. 
So like I mentioned, this is just a pretext to talk about something I like to talk about. Now, uh, I'm not used to this, so it's my first time. So you have the privilege of being confused with me, okay? <clears throat> so um, even though I'm going to do that, I want to speak about the text because there's some things here that I believe is important for us to, to talk about. And I, I'm going to just let you know a little bit about the, uh, the premise. The premise of this all is that Jesus calls us, right? We know as disciples of Christ, Jesus has called us. And we somehow have responded to his call, and there, here we are, right? We are here, and we are serving Christ. Now, his invitation, like it was for Simon uh, Peter, uh, is very simple. Come, and I'll make you something else, right? For Simon it was, hey, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. As far as I know, Peter did not catch any men in his net. Right? I don't see anywhere in Scripture that he did what Jesus asked him to do. I'm going to make you something, but what he meant, I believe, is that I'm going to take what you have and who you are, and I'm going to do something that is unbelievable. And you will see what happens then. So that's what he uses. He uses our gifts, our basis of, for, for, and our experiences, all our gifts, all our knowledge as a basis for transformation. And the third thing about it is that we have, you know, the great commandment, right? Right? Which is to stay here and sit down. <laughs> right? No. Go. Now you go, right? After all the time that we have spent with the disciples, he is telling them that they have seen him in ministry. Now it's time for them to go and do. So we are sent. But sometimes we think that being sent is to stay, whether it's at home or whether it's here in the congregation. This is a beautiful building, right? I think, that, you know, we feel good but more to come. There are some stipulations to the text that I like to bring up. Number one, he's, being, he's sending these 70, after he has sent the 12, he's sending these 70, and he tells them it's going to be dangerous. It's not going to be comfortable. I'm sending you into a den of wolves. That means that you may be eaten. Now, I'm sure that that creates a lot of comfort in your heart, doesn't it? <clears throat> I mean, I wonder what does that do with our psyche, right? I'm going to send you into a very dangerous task. Does fear come up and say, well, I don't want to engage in dangerous stuff. Like many of you know, I like surfing, and I've been in situations when the waves are way more than I can handle. And I'm saying to myself, that's stupid. You shouldn't go in the water. Why? Because you might lose yourself. So I know how that feels. But somehow Jesus says, still go. <laughs> go. Now, number two, 
says, don't carry anything with you. And for us Americans, that is stupid. <laughs> I mean, who would go on a trip without being prepared? Right? Isn't that logical? I wouldn't go on any trip without knowing that I have what I need. That's our mentality. And he's saying, strip yourselves down. Strip yourselves down. Don't take money. Don't even take shoes. <sighs> I know what you're thinking because I didn't tell this to Keith, but I read minds. <laughs> um, it doesn't work that way, does it? It just doesn't work that way. We are programmed, right, conditioned to work in different circumstances. We need to have things lined up. We need to be prepared. And he is saying, don't. I think the translation, the interpretation of that is don't be self-reliant. Don't think that you got all the answers. more. Wherever you go, share the peace of Christ. That's simple. I think you got that one. I'm not going to spend too much time in it. But then he says, stay where you're welcomed. And don't go out. Just stay there. Right? If you enter into a house, they welcome you and they give you food, eat whatever's in there. And I've eaten stuff that I really didn't want to, believe me. But that's been good. I'm still here, thank God. But those are four things that this text tells us. And I wanted to complement, sort of contrast, compare that with some experiences and stories of some people that I have uh, been exposed to in my life that I think help us with this uh, context here. And I want to ask you, so how is this sending, going with you? How is it that you feel being sent to the world to show, to let everybody know that you have something in you that is good? So here are three stories. I think I got time enough. Awesome. I work in Puerto Rican minutes, Keith, right? So... <laughs> First one is um, a, a fellow that I, that I, I did a study of uh, this, 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 this man when I was in seminary. His name is Dr. Royal Dive. He was a missionary uh, to a Congo from the Foreign Christian Missionary Society, which is what the Disciples of Christ entity used to foster um, missions. He was sent in 1899 to the middle of nowhere in the Congo. He was a doctor young man with his wife he goes over there in a really dangerous place it was treasure just getting up there to this station uh, was a treasure strip I mean these were times where we don't have airplanes you had to go by boat it was difficult to do this and the river is unpredictable so it was very dangerous so he lands in this place called Belenge and Belenge becomes the center of his mission for many years he spent about 40 years in that place like I said, treasure is very difficult, a place to live. He 
uh, of course, a white man in the middle of Africa, you know, disconnected from things. But once he established a connection with the people and he started to serve them, they figure out that there was a way to connect. So he started to relate with them. Long story short, an investment of $140,000 in this mission had become his base. They found an opening because this chief opened his house, his town, and they started to work with him. Forty years later, there's more than 400 congregations in El Congo, and Dr. Dai was instrumental in making all those congregations come to life. 400. Just because he heard a call and he responded to the call. He said, hey, I think I can do something. And he thought he was going to heal people, and he did. But he did a lot more than what he taught. So he went, and God did wonders in his life and with his wife. His wife uh, writes this book called The Experience in Bolenge. This is the thing that I really concluded about that dangerous and treasures doesn't mean impossible. Sometimes danger is just the facade, but God breaks through all that. The second story I have for you is about Irma Rivera. She met Jesus in 1942. She was five years old. And at an early age, she already had moved to New York and was preaching. She was 15 years old, and she was preaching. And this was in a Disciples of Christ congregation in Brooklyn, a Hispanic congregation. It was called Sinai Christian Church. At 17, she was in seminary in Cuba, studying to be a missionary to China. That was her calling. She had applied to Lexington Theological Seminary, but at the time, it was only for boys. Guess what? She was not accepted, of course. And on top of only was for boys, she was a Latina, you know. They didn't know what to do with this girl. <laughs> so she was denied, so she ended up in Cuba. She returned from Cuba because at that time, it was when uh, Castro came in and all that debacle happened. Some of you know what, what happened there. But she ended up back in New York. She got married, had kids. She returned to Puerto Rico, where she was from, and she served in church and many different uh, things. She, she t taught um, children from, to youth, and um, she was a school principal, and she had many other jobs. She studied at night and got a BA in business. She moved back to the United States and worked with the church in social work in Boston for about eight years. Then she went back to Orlando and started a church. That church started in her garage with one family. In eight years, they had bought a piece of land with an old house, that, uh, that house was restored and converted to a, a church. 
It had to be expanded twice. They had 350 people in eight years. Today, she has four discipling groups. Two of them are done on Zoom, one in Venezuela, one in Honduras. One of those groups thinks of themselves not as a church, but they're 28 to 30 people there on Sunday nights. And of course, food is involved. They send clothing, medicines to Venezuelan families and Honduras. Now, my friend says, my mom. I had the privilege of studying in seminary with her. She invited me. She said, Ruben, you have to do this. And here I am, an engineer doing international work. I was good. I didn't need to do anything. And she says, Ruben, you have to do this. Come. And that started a whole different uh, uh, trajectory in my life. Guess what? I ended up in seminary. We graduated together in 2008. I tell you, when I was a little kid in Puerto Rico, I never thought, never, ever, ever thought that I would be speaking in front of people. Nor that I would be a minister. That's crazy. Thank you. <laughs> well, anyway, she always wondered why is it that God did not allow her to end up in China when she felt called to be. And several years ago, she heard God's voice say, you don't necessarily understand. Look at all the people that are around you. They're all Chinese. They just speak different languages. Sometimes we think we're called to do one thing and we end up doing something else. Not because it's not right or whatever. It's just that God takes us step by step through our lives and uses experience to guide us. Our final story is about some people from Denver that after being challenged by their minister to pray for something impossible, some impossible endeavor, they ended up going to a place called Puerto Rico, all the way from Denver. And that initiative was spearheaded by a couple of crazy ministers who didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> but they knew that this would be something good. The region was saying, hey, why don't we do something that is outside of what we have done for years? Let's go. Said, yeah, sure, why not? Let's do it. Guess what? This group of people went to Puerto Rico in January of 2020. The experience was treacherous. It was dangerous. Nobody had been there. I think 90% of them hadn't been in that place. And I tell you, they had been devastated by two hurricanes. Uh, the situation there was still, after a couple of years, still bad. Although there had been already some restoration to everything that was going on. But imagine people walking around and, you know, in, in, loincloths, and all their huts had been washed away. No, that's not El Congo, that's Puerto Rico. I'm just kidding, guys. I just wanted to see if you were here. Hello, are you listening? Are you with me? Okay, all right. I mean, and this group of people ended up over there, and they were joined by 
folks from other churches of the bigger region in this place. And they ship off to this adventure. I can tell you this, nothing worked as it was planned. Nothing worked as it was planned. By the time that the group landed in Puerto Rico, we were on plan C. And we improvised the rest of the way. But the group persevered. They improvised, learned. They caught a vision. Something happened. And it was amazing to see the motivation, the initiative, things that were confusing. We didn't know what to do sometimes. And here comes someone and says, hey, why don't we do this? Sure, we'll figure it out. Two congregations that have been isolated from each other for many years, connected only, I guess, by faithfulness, and maybe one member of this church that had been in this other congregation, they travel to another land and they make a special connection. And that brought these people back and said, hey, maybe we can go not to Puerto Rico, but next door and do something. Maybe we can follow God's call in this one way, collaborate with another congregation. And I believe it has been fruitful. That is Mount Christian Church, the church that I minister. And that group, of course, you know, that is part of your group that went on this mission trip. Interesting, right? It took a trip to somewhere else to find ourselves who are right next door. So again, I can only imagine what this collaboration can do in the future. But connecting has been the important part. And it has really fed us. It's been a blessing for Mount Air Christian Church an incredible blessing because we're a very small congregation. Our congregation probably fits with the people that are right here. But we have a lot of things going. There's plates in the air. And we really don't know what to do with them. But they're there. Let's approach it. I'm glad you were talking about um, teachers. We had adopted our local school as well. And I tell you, a Starbucks card will do wonders <laughs> for their motivation. There's an old poem, and I'll finish with this, by Antonio Machado. And this says, Traveler, there is no road. You make your own path as you walk. That phrase has stuck with me for a long time. It was a favorite of my mom because, you see, we think we need to see beyond. We need, think we need to be prepared for certain things. We think that we need to have what it takes before we take our steps to go forward. And I believe that there's only one path for those who are sent, just to take that step and walk. 
You don't know what's coming. You don't know how the twists and turns are going to go. But we know who's got us. And today, I think, believe, I truly believe that disciples are still being sent. God is still using people, despite our own gifts. Not because of, I say, despite our own gifts. Because I thought I was a really good engineer. I never sought myself as a preacher. And here I am saying to God, no, man, I can't do this. There is no way. Somehow he has used that. And he has surprised me in the way as well. <laughs> because I didn't expect it. I'm sure Peter felt that way somehow. So yes, Jesus is not looking for what you know, for what you have. But he is inviting you. He's inviting us to discover what he knows. He's inviting us to ask him, what's up with that? And how can we participate in what you're doing? Like I said, I don't read in scripture that Peter caught any one person on his net. That he was a mighty power and spreading the good news. And he was definitely transformed into something that he did not expect as he follows Jesus Christ. The harvest is plentiful indeed. Do we see it? The laborers are few. Do we realize it? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that is you. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you this morning with this realization that your work are way beyond what we can imagine. We come to this place knowing that you have worked through the ages with people that did not know exactly what you were up to, but they discovered amazing and wonderful things on the way. Help us to see ourselves, whatever stage of life we're in, as extensions of what you're doing. Help us to open our eyes and ears, open our spirit to what you are working on so we can join you in your ministry. Thank you, God, for everything you continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.